Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where you speak to unique mavericks, innovators and and intriguing, fascinating characters from the entertainment world. They are absolutely inspirational. They're sizzling. They are people with so much, so many stories that will fascinate us and inspire us to chase the entertainment journey on our own terms. Now, today's guest, well, we're taking a bit of a little detour from the world of comedy into many different aspects of comedy, but also into journalism, science, because this lady is, she is like the modern day equivalent of Tony Stark, but also being a journalist. She is a mixture of so many different things. You know, she she is related to Harry Styles. <laughs> no, she is. Oh, and the, the audio is gone. Oh, okay, oh. it's not gone. <laughs> oh, right, sorry. <laughs> Let, let's, let's... I was just Googling Tony Stark. I had no idea what you were talking oh. about. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah. her name, she's related to Harry Styles. She knows who Tony Stark is. Please welcome the journalist, the, the scientist, the comedian, Kirsty Styles. Goodness me, that is quite, quite an intro. Marvin, thank you so much for having me. Yes, and have you found out who Tony Stark is? <laughs> is, he, is he from Marvel? Yes, he plays Iron Man. My uh, little sister will be very sad that I had literally no idea who you were talking about. I thought it must have been some famous sort of impresario from hundreds of years ago, but it's actually a fictional character. Tell us a bit about yourself, Kirsty. Like how you became a, a journalist into science and how did you take that forward into the world of stand-up comedy? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I um, um, I don't know whether I would even call myself a scientist. Um, there'll be scientists complaining and spinning in their graves at this point. Um, I um, wanted to be a political journalist. Um, and um, unfortunately, no, my dad is not the editor of a national newspaper, which meant it was um, quite a hard world to break into. And um, I actually ended up getting a probably quite a soul-destroying job and working at a mobile marketing agency. Um, bless those people, uh, you know, they, 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 they took a chance on me, but they invited me to move down from Warrington where I was living in my mom's garage um, to London uh, the next week to, um, to become a, a communications person for a mobile marketing company, having literally no idea what mobile marketing was. Uh, and this was sort of 2011, just before everybody uh, and his nan had a, had a smartphone. Um, and actually, it was quite an exciting time to sort of um, join what I would call a sort of the gold rush, the Klondike of the sort of um, uh, 2010s, um, where um, people who'd made their money, people like Elon Musk, actually, who'd made their money um, in the early 2000s in the digital boom were making their money in the mobile marketing boom. And that essentially meant they were trying to work out ways to sell you stuff that you didn't need by the medium of a smartphone and and how successful have they been oh okay okay <laughs> um so yeah so i started working for them and and then i met a, an editor of a, of a trade magazine mobile marketing magazine it was called um and so i spent a few years sort of writing about these companies that were you know it was, it was when sort of uber launched in this country it was when delivery launched in this country um you know every single 
uh, app that you've now got on your smartphone, you know, pretty much none of those companies um, uh, existed or at least existed in their current form 10 or so years ago. And so um, it was sort of exciting, um, you know, Tinder, um, making sure that you only need to have, you don't need to have anything other than a face to get a date these days, um, you know, apps for um, uh, getting a lift. So you didn't have to, you know, uh, rely on your mum anymore. Apps are getting food delivered to your door. So you don't even have to learn how to cook. And um, so sort of exciting. But for me, it was actually quite terrifying. We were, um, you know, giving up all of our data um, at the touch of, uh, of, of, of a button. Oh, OK, OK. And like, so how did you become like, how did you become a comedian? And like, you, you, you also decided like, Yo, journalism, you guys are boring. Here's how to make it interesting. <laughs> um, I'm not quite, well, I wouldn't say it was quite that. So I, um, I actually started doing comedy about um, about technology, um, you know, urging people to realise that technology will not save us. Um, and um, so I, I actually entered a competition um, with a, a, for a, a conference called Future Fest. And so did a little bit of comedy training with a guy called Steve Cross, who launched um, a network called Bright Club, if you know that, to try and make academics funny. Um, okay. And so my whole thing, it was quite a long, I would call it a diatribe, um, called, um, uh, 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 oh God, what was it? Tech, wankers, YouTube, arseholes, I don't know, something like that. Um, to try and make people realize that, you know, we were creating a world out of the imaginations of white, sort of well-off, um, men who day to day didn't actually have that many problems, and so the the services that the revolutionary services that they were creating, you know, were just sort of incremental, uh, small differences um, to improve the lives of sort of well off Western people. Um, and you know, the bigger picture is that say three billion people in the world still don't have access to the internet today. Whether that's the sort of mark of, of progress, you know, many, many, many billions of people don't have access to sort of safe drinking water and um, and um, you know uh, toilets. And so, yeah, my whole, I can't say it was, it was, it was funny throughout, but I was sort of urging people to realize that this sort of technology revolution was bad for us and, you know, really not bad, not great for, for the world. Um, now I'm doing a PhD where I'm looking at the environmental impact of media. Um, and so what I can now tell you with certainty is that not only are these services not necessarily changing anyone's lives in any radical way, but they're also really bad for the planet. You know, you've got to mine all of the minerals uh, in the, the to put them into the smartphones and all of the other sort of bits and bobs that you need. You've got to send them over to, um, and that's in the sort of you know in Central Africa, you know, massive conflict zones uh, over these minerals. You've got to send them over to mostly Asian countries for people who are often trafficked to assemble them uh, and send them, you know, as if none of this happened in a beautiful box to people like us. Um, and you know, you need oh. Wi-Fi. You need Wi-Fi that's constantly connected, which is which has an environmental impact. Um, you know, most of these services are powered by advertising, which requires that people buy all this extra crap that they don't even need. Um, so yeah, so um, I've gone on a, I went on a, a, you know, it's been a sort of ten year journey for me, going from sort of starting to understand all of this stuff to being like, wow, this stuff is terrifying. So have plenty, yeah, that is incredible because one of the big things, I mean, so many. I mean, you know, this as well of doing stand-up yourself, but this with a lot of newer comics, a lot of older comics advise you not to tackle deep or really sort of stuff 
Well, oh, I mean, shit. No, no one's ever told me that. <laughs> oh, okay. But the, the, it's the thing. They, they often say once you've good, been doing it for a few years and once you get a bit better when you've established it, then you start going to the dark, deep stuff. And like with the when you're new, you do the lighter stuff. But yeah, how did that must have taken a hell of a lot of effort to bloody make that funny? That is deep stuff. That is deep stuff. How how did you you know you take your first forward and stand up and you're going in the deep heavy stuff of the truth? How did you make it funny? That must have been bloody awesome at the end. Yeah, I mean some of Whoa. this stuff was uh it was it, it's tricky and you know i still uh, a friend of mine said to me you know that you what you do isn't really stand up it's more like a sort of ted talk with some jokes um which i wouldn't mind you know uh doing that you know as an alternative you know it feels to me um i don't know that i, I did a comedy competition um and um i was one of two women and um everybody else's material was like w mainly worried that they might be a paedophile i didn't know, mm. know that men were so preoccupied with this but like you know um so that was the sort of level of comedy or like um being rude about their kids that sort of stuff really you know sort of i guess stuff that we can all relate to i don't have children but like stuff that you know a lot of people could maybe relate to and yeah so then i wheeled on and this one was actually about um <laughs> about how cycling can save the world and um people are a bit like hmm back that paedophile guy that was good <laughs> um so uh, you know it's it, it's tricky i've done comedy about climate change um technology and and journalism as well um stuff that that i believe really matters um and there are jokes in there um but ultimately the sort of it, the, the the camera turns around to the audience and you have to go we all need to do something about this and that's the end <laughs> <laughs> it can't I mean, I had, I, I watched a very, I remember years back, uh, do you know Funzing? No. They're like a, like a experienced ticketing agency. And um, they, I used to run, I'd still run comedy shows with them. I promote with them. Um, they, I, I went over to this event where this guy was talking about being kidnapped by the Taliban. <laughs> I know this is going a bit dark already, but let's go in there. It wasn't funny what he was talking about, but some of the situation, because it was so grim and so brutal, end up being quite funny because it was true and so brutal. The situation, it, it wasn't meant to be funny, but it ended up being quite funny, which was which I found quite surprising in a way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For me, comedy is a much better way than, well, not necessarily much better way, an interesting uh, sort of comparison to, to, to journalism for communicating things that matter. You know, journalism arguably is, um, is the means by which we as people sort of understand the world and potentially um, are able to use that information to take action. But, you know, so often it appears that we're sort of um, uh, paralyzed. You know, we feel um, we feel overwhelmed, and 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 people avoid the news um, and things like that. So, so the, one of the reasons that I started doing some of this stuff was was to try to take information to people and deliver it to them in a way that they might enjoy. Um, you know, with a bit of a serious yeah. message at the end, um, and you know it's maybe tricky yeah to always make it super funny um no in fact these shows have all i would say they have all been funny but um 
you know, it's tricky to uh, when you're in a room full of uh, other comedians who aren't really um, necessarily trying to hammer home, uh, you know, an important message. And and maybe the audience just want to sort of be amused and go home and they don't want to have to sort of, uh, you know, sign up to Amnesty or whatever. <laughs> hmm. It's, but is, do, do you, one of the things that often I sometimes see is people try and be like Louis CK or they try and beat like Doug Stanhope or someone like Dave Chappelle and they try and give a message. When you were doing comedy with the journalism, was there any particular comic or anyone that you saw of when you're doing that or you, you just sort of, you thought of how can I make it funny in my own way? Mm. Um, to be honest, I, I just really like making people laugh. And when I was working as a journalist, I really sort of prided myself on being able to speak to, you know, a kid or like a CEO and like nine times out of 10, you can really build a connection with somebody you know I can chat I chat to people on 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 the bus and and um you know the more you know about the world the easier it is to sort of um uh find something that you that you might both have have in common um you know I I have a, a class of sports journalists so I teach at the moment and so I really don't don't care too much for football but I, I actually think it's interesting from a sort of social action perspective but also I know that they care about it and so I you know, chuck in a few things about sort of stuff I've heard on the radio about the football and they enjoy that even though they know that I'm not sort of, um, you know, really committed to what I'm saying. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like to make people laugh and I find it one of the hardest things is when you, your, you know, main means of sort of building camaraderie with people is making them laugh and some people really don't, don't want to laugh with you. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, you sort of got, you can't win them all, but I, th I think it's a really important sort of means of sort of personal communication and, and um you know um general communication and, and and it's perhaps wasted if we only um think about you know just making people laugh um you know can we can 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 it do more than um than what we sort of um usually expect hmm. it adds, it makes it a bit more it makes journalists either when you're like reporting or watching a documentary or if you're reading in a paper or hearing a lecture about it, it makes it more interesting rather than stale. If it looks like someone from accounts has come around and just writing a report, then you're going to fall asleep. I think the tricky thing is, so, so, so sort of caveat what I just said, the tricky thing is, so I did, um, so Stand Up For Journalism was a, was a sort of research project and the idea was that, um, yeah, people don't necessarily trust journalists um uh, but um people absolutely love comedy so what if journalists did stand-up comedy would that change how people um uh how people um understood what journalism is for and why people do it and things like that and so that was they were sort of my noble aims the tricky thing and, and i've got i did uh you know i've got a good body of research to demonstrate this the tricky thing is is that often people are trying to get the joke and so they're sort of thinking oh why was that funny and so they're therefore sort of not engaged with the actual message that comes next or um they um uh because it's funny it does to some extent trivialize the issue there's a very good study done about um the john uh, john stewart um uh, the daily show um and there've been a few sort of similar studies in that area and so yeah it's it's tricky to 
sort of use a, 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 a an amusing vehicle to spread a message that they were looking at particularly when they were trying to talk in the US about net neutrality whether some people would have to pay be able to pay more for the internet to get like an internet fast lane and um comedy was really good for bringing that issue to audiences who'd never heard about it so people started actually talking about this idea of net neutrality which is great but it was they didn't necessarily understand the seriousness of the issue because John Stewart's sort of laughing about it and and, and what have you. So oh. it, it's not without its flaws. Um, but you know, journalism, um, straight journalism isn't without its flaws. You know, people are switching off. Um, you know, people can go and look at all sorts of other sorts of global um uh, uh media brands that that don't try to give you the heavy message. So it's 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 tricky. Um, I would say. But it's it's like with anything. If things don't evolve, then they they become stale and they die. Like one of the guests on the podcast is to me of comedy. One of the things that often happen is if a comic's been going for years, they do the same set for 10, 20 years, it gets boring, it's stale, they're going through the motions. And then it gets to the stage where it becomes unfunny. And it gets to the stage where either you go out or, or you leave. And is that what you see in journalism in a way, in terms of like with so many things, you've got to go ahead and you've got to, keep growing or what's, again what's it's, it, it, it's, it's tricky. i don't know we've not uh, we've not necessarily done these topics in a logical order so this might be something confusing but yeah no uh, journalism you know to me matters or or at least um uh, people being in, in, informed um you know whether it's sort of um your local um uh, government um or you know national government or you know about companies and how they work or international e economics or whatever those are big topics and i'm sure not everybody has got the uh, time or the inclination to sort of become well versed on all of those things um so you know journalism uh, at least as it's been current you know delivered for the last maybe sort of 100 years um you know tries to give you enough information to so you can sort of you know make um decisions or you know take action um on but only in the space that it has and um you know when the newspaper was 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 the sort of dominant way that people got information it sort of told you which was the most important stuff because that's on the front page and and whatever with with online media what's difficult to perhaps understand is is what's the most important or how these stories relate to each other and um, you know if you're not reading something you know day after day after day a similar product you know that context of of, of how change is happening sort of disappears um and you know if you get if, if you read news but it's it's delivered to you by sort of social media people who who picked up on certain things you're getting the, this information at random and i can really appreciate how that feels uh, uh, uh sort of frightening to people because you don't know which issue is very important and how these things all fit together and um, so yeah so we're, we're certainly at a time where the model of news delivery um has um you know has changed and, and and yet people to some extent still need some you know a reasonable level of information although some people would say i never read the news and i can live quite fine so i don't know it's all it's all debatable that's what i say to my students <laughs> You mean what's it called? What's the word for it? They say patterns and never mind. Each to their own. Each to their own is the saying, isn't it? Yeah, which is sort of fine, but like you know, we all collectively pay tax. Uh, you know, in most 
if not all countries, because we agree that there is some sort of like shared um, responsibility and shared um, things that we all need. Um, things like clean air, things like, um, you know, roads, things like um, education uh, are all things that sort of are not each to their own. We've all, you know, to some extent, have well, we have a stake in it, certainly, whether we, whether we, you know, participate in deciding how what that stake is, is, is another question. You know, these things do happen regardless, but um, you know, for me, um, you know, I, I do think it's important that people are involved because otherwise decisions get made for you and actually you're still sacrificing some of your salary for those decisions to be made on your behalf. So yeah, I don't know whether each to their own quite cuts it for me. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, what's what would you say so what's what's often a thing that that surprises you annoys you with journalism like what what's something that you know when, when you speak to when you tell people that you're a journalist what's the most silly thing that often comes across like if someone says they're a comedian they say tell us a joke do they say oh go on then write us an article <laughs> um, well, I mean, I live in Liverpool, and if you know anything about uh, the uh, history and politics of Liverpool, you'll know that um, people, they don't sell the, they wouldn't even say the word, the sun here, um, because of the, uh, you know, the the, the, um, the Hillsborough disaster, uh, 96 uh, Liverpool fans killed in Sheffield, um, and um, the police and, you know, the media, um, uh you know, pinned it on the fans, uh, and we now know that 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 wasn't um it wasn't the fans' fault at all, um and um so yeah so so you know journalists don't have a great reputation where I live, um I, I think in general that there's um people as I say one of the reasons I did the stand up for journalism and and I had done the research was because people don't trust journalists they trust them less than estate agents they trust them less than sort of corporations and governments, um so they're this sort of um routinely disliked sort of um members of society but when you speak to journalists you know if you're a if you're a war reporter you are going into you know conflict zones you know the first person to arrive the last person to leave um and you don't have you know specialist sort of training you 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 go there um to you know whether there's sort of um war um you know uh um uh, civil war um any sort of environmental disaster because you believe in people's right to know uh, or that, that people need to know um uh, or uh, and that, that if people are losing their lives that those lives mattered um and um, and somebody should be held responsible perhaps um and so um it's a shame that people think journalists are i don't know people seem to think that like katie hopkins is a journalist and she's not um and there's loads of sort of public figures today who who aren't really trained journalists um, and and uh, you know are just people who've who've got opinions and that might well be be fine um but they do, don't sit day after day um you know writing stories to keep people informed about these you know massive global or local issues that are, that are, are going on so that's a shame that's a shame for me really that journalists have such a bad reputation um and you know Hillsborough aside I don't necessarily see where exactly where that comes from um Yes, that's probably one of the main things. I, I think it's because not funny, is it? <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> no. I mean, it's it's. 
I think people, um, movies and like programs also have a big effect on how things get perceived. I mean, what's it called? Part of what's in my head is in that Godzilla film when you see the. Have you not seen the night? Oh, there's there's a story with this girl's trying to progress it up in a news agency with an ex-boyfriend or whatever, and he. This is a long-winded story, but a lot of us have an idea that you're looking for a story to sell rather than like, I mean, you look at the Watergate scandal, that was what, what happened there. Those journalists did a good job. They exposed them and they did something that was good. But a lot of us feel that a lot of the news or reporters or people like writing articles, you want to make a story that's going to sell and get attention and help your career rather than actually doing a good that's what's often portrayed sometimes in films you're looking for a good story to sell rather than to help yeah. people yeah so so i'd say the biggest uh, criticism of the of the industry itself and this is part of my phd is that um because the media um in general and um you know journalism particularly has has for a relatively long time relied an awful lot on advertising money um, and in the digital world, um, uh, it's only been more amplified. And that means that they have to get as many people reading a story as possible. Uh, you know, eyeballs <laughs> is what you would call them. Um, and that me and you're competing with any other global med media that is out there. Uh, and, and, and that makes it tricky to write stories that are important. Um, you know, clickbait literally was the name for, you know, BuzzFeed when it came over to the UK um, and they were writing stories that, for whatever reason, people want to click on. Now, partly that's the fault of the, the media because the media, um, you know, does work with advertisers who want to get clicks on their adverts. And so that's a structural problem with the, with the industry oh. itself. But people click on these stories. The um, local newspapers are absolutely um, um, awash with stories about crime. And, and, and people believe that crime is more um, likely to happen to them because of how much it gets covered, but it gets covered because people click on it. So it's like a sort of cyclical thing, you know, where where um, people like to look at car accidents, and that's why you get traffic jams. It's it's a little bit similar. So you know, partly it's the industry's fault, but also you know, I'm interested in what people are really interested in because um, you know, reading stories about crime, you know, is a is a waste of time in a lot of ways, you know, if, in, compared to reading an important story about, I don't know, your local council or whatever, not sexy, but, uh, but, the, the, but it's, it's much more likely to have an impact on you, what your local council is doing than what some big, you know, crime, you know, murder, um, that's happened, happened is, is, is going to have an impact on you. But it, it's, it's like that because they want to get things that get emotion in you. Like they say in social media, when they're doing hooks to grab your attention, they want things that draw an emotion from you so that they keep your attention and they want you to stay on there and to do what they want. Is that some of the things, well, you mentioned a bit in newspaper articles and there, but yeah. Um, um, news, news historically, I would say no, has been, has been, was really objective. And, and, and that I use the word objective loosely because it's, it's very hard to be truly objective, but the news um, reported on the issues of the day, reported on the issues of the day, not, you know, really didn't do a lot more. And um, increasingly because of the competition, as I just, said um and and this sort of requirement to get clicks for advertising the store the, the the news has become much more um sort of sensationalized than than i would say it ever was if you look at sort of the social media accounts of 
um, newspapers compared to what they actually write about the social media accounts are much more sort of um uh emotive in how they draw you in than the actual story that you go on to read so it, it's 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 yeah it's mechanics of, of uh, it's mechanics of the of the industry as much as it is anything but also that's what people click on and so to some extent you know this is an audience a question of what people are interested in people absolutely love crime what's it called um true crime that's such a massive um sort of um category of podcasts and um streaming services true crime is so irrelevant to your life you know as much as it might be interesting to find out how this person killed you know 15 people or whatever it, it will not it will not have an impact on your life and maybe that's why people watch it but like investing so much time in in true crime as people do when they could be actually you know understanding how their their society works you know for me it's a it's a shame that that's how uh how the sort of um how things have gone but it's something that's very difficult to change but what would you think is the way of changing it Um, well, I mean, it's, to be honest, this this behaviour is only is probably less than ten years old. This like super amped up, like you know, world on steroids, where um, you can have. Did you watch the the um, the film uh, Bo Burnham? Not yet, no. Oh my god, do go watch it. So yeah, he's got this song called "A Little Bit of Everything" all of the time, um, and like the internet. Um, you know, and huge access to the internet in, in particularly in Western countries, um, and how all of those sort of um, technologies are are created to get you to use them more. Um, you know, that is a relatively new phenomenon. In fact, an incredibly new phenomenon compared to like how long we lived like in woods. And so, actually, I think it's quite an easy behaviour um, to change because it's actually quite new. Um, the tricky thing is, obviously, if people want to change their behaviour, um, given that they might enjoy getting a pizza delivery or a, a girlfriend at the swipe of a screen. Um, but um, but it's not, it's not, it isn't beyond the realms of possibility. Um, I do have an answer for it, but um, I don't know whether you wanted to come back in on that. No, go ahead. Let's tell us your answer. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing is, uh, and I could, I've got a few books that would, that would help us to understand this, how our lives aren't actually making us particularly happy we have got absolutely everything that we could possibly need and more times a million you know and and particularly relative to some people in other parts of the world and also relative to anybody that's ever lived ever before you know we've got a guy that's building bloody rockets in his back garage as well as electric cars and social media companies like we have got unprecedented concentrated wealth in certain countries and yet people are the most lonely that they've ever been you know the most unsatisfied people have got i've got not got got a lot of social connections people haven't got a lot of friends and so the answer for me is 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 people well i guess to to recognize that and and come back into their local communities you know put the phone down um and you know um you know meet older people in your local area who need stuff doing for them you know help them fix their sort of tv or whatever you know I, I, and and I, that must sound idealistic and, and there's a, there is a role for local journalism in that because local journalism has been dismantled in the last sort of um 20 years um in the uk at least and so um obviously people would have to recognize that the that you know te- technology will not save us the internet is not the answer um whether that's as easy a thing to recognize and do something about than it is to just sort of chuck on another netflix documentary i don't know Written by Kirsty Styles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um sorry we've gone from heavy to heavy to heavy <laughs> if, if if netflix said kirsty stars we want a documentary on that would you say yes um yeah yeah i probably would yeah um i mean there's a book called the internet is not the answer and it was a guy who'd um made a lot of money in in uh you know in this sort of stuff and he was just like terrified of what it had become um you, you know um I really am not the first person to to notice or or or, or say this, um, but yeah, that's that, that's 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 my sort of uh, my answer is is, is spiritual spiritual uh, sort of um, reinvigoration, I guess. Oh, so you believe in the chakras and like meditation <laughs> and all? That. I mean, whatever whoever your um your gods and your goddesses and whoever else like uh, uh, that that's not sort of um uh, critical to me, but but you know I think. <laughs> I mean, no, no. Obviously, you can believe in whatever you want, but um, but um, you know, irrespective of what anybody sort of b believes as faith, um, we are all humans. We are here for a small amount of time, um, and um, you know, and I think it's Islam that says this well. You know, you you're supposed to leave the world better than you found it, and at the moment, we're just sort of, you know, living sort of, um you know, as though, as though time and sort of space and, and things don't matter. Yeah. Oh God, that's, stop it. You're going to make me cry. I know I keep stumping you. I'm sorry. It's not been the easy breezy free flowing. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, what's, are, are you like still performing now? Like, are you doing comedy and getting involved in yeah 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 so i did um i did a stand-up show i put together a stand-up show um last month ah and is your is your niche gonna be is are you involved in a lot of like stand-up sort of as you mentioned what you being in a journalism and tech is that going to be maybe your comedy sort of well at the moment i'm doing comedy about cycling because um we're like we need to solve this climate crisis what do we need to do we need to invent something we need to go to mars the answer is not go to mars the answer is like just get out on your bike yeah and i know that sounds very simplistic but you know our culture has become dominated by a few things in the last sort of uh, 50 years one of them is the car um and one of them is is is, is the internet um and um and you know the, the bike has been around for just almost 150 years um, and it is the most efficient form of transport that exists. You know, you are not creating carbon emissions. It makes you more attractive to everyone that you meet. Um, you know, it's pretty safe. It's really cheap. And there's loads and loads of benefits to it. And and um, and, and it's good for you. And you can meet people. You know, it, it, for me, uh, whenever anybody says they have a problem with absolutely anything, I say, have you considered riding a bike? It's so good for you in so many different ways, you know, and it's, and it, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It exists. Um, so, um, I mean, and, and as, uh, uh, you've probably got the sense that I've not told you absolutely any jokes yet. So I could tell you some jokes about cycling. Would you like to hear them? Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> no. Go on. Oh, I don't know whether, I don't even know. Whether they, <laughs> they, all of my comedy has like a really big preamble. It's really, it's, it's, no. built, it's layers of stuff. So I apologize if this is not funny at all. It's... I've got, a, I've got a section of dad jokes, which are in honor of the person that taught me to ride a bike, my dad, Les Styles. Um, and so the dad jokes are things like, um, 
I, I can't do the first one because I don't think you'll find that funny. Let me just think of what the second one is. Um, uh, why did the cyclist cross the road? Why did he cross the road? Um, because they were taking a strong and safe position to turn right, and that's perfectly legitimate in the new highway code. Oh. <laughs> um and um i mean <laughs> um uh what you might know this just so this is a this is a play another play and an old joke do you, do you know the joke what do you do if you see a spaceman no what do you do so 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 the the answer uh, in the past would be to park in it man if you see a spaceman you park in it man yeah oh, a driving joke but in my joke you look over to your left notice there's a cyclist um, coming down your left-hand side, give them an encouraging wave and one and a half meters distance. So if they fell off their bike, you don't smash their brain into the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, uh, this this is only for the cyclist, but I will explain it to you as well. Okay, uh, uh, what, what's the cyclist's favorite cheese? What's the favorite cheese? So the answer is paneer. You know the cheese paneer? Okay, yep. On the back of your bike, you have these bags called panniers. Oh, so it's paneer, panier, panier. <laughs> okay. and so I, I dice around with that for a little bit, and then I say, um, I actually had an ex-boyfriend who every time I'd say, um, panier, he'd say panier, and I'd say panier, and he'd say panier, and um, he died. Oh, <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, and um, um uh, what do you call an unhappy cyclist? Uh, Boris Johnson. There's no such thing as an unhappy cyclist. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one about oral sex, but it takes some context, so I can't tell you that one. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Now that 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 is uh, how much, and where do they buy the book on cyclist jokes? Well, there is a book called Revolutions: How Women Change the World on Two Wheels, which isn't funny, but that's where I took some of my information from because. Uh, Essentially, as I say, bikes were invented or bikes in this form that we understand them were invented almost 150 years ago. And almost immediately, would you believe that men tried to stop women riding them? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They said they said they would make you infertile. They said that they would make your face stick like that, which I assume they meant that was the face of pure joy, which no man has ever seen. Um. And they they said that it would make women more promiscuous, and they were right. Uh, sociologists in the US and the UK credit cycling with reducing the amount of birth defects in the local population at the turn of the last century. Yes, queens. Oh, right. <laughs> but really, it meant that women could get away. Somebody stop her. <laughs> We've... So... That's that's cool, man. That's that's... <laughs> Sorry, that's that's the cycle. That's, the, that's some of the cycling stuff for you. But yeah, no, I I mean, yeah. Um, sorry, I'll let you go. Is so, if I was to describe where describe you, shall I call you a a comic journal tech? Is that what what you're gonna be? Well, the technology stuff is a bit of a red herring. So as I say, I was a technology journalist, but not by choice. Uh, but when I got into it, I realized it was very political. And so I was happy to be there. But the problem was, is that I was a business journalist. So I was writing about businesses. And while I understood what businesses, why businesses do what they do, I didn't particularly um, 
we didn't have like uh, uh, I didn't particularly um get my stories out to a huge audience and I wasn't supposed to be writing about the politics of this stuff I was just supposed to be reporting on what these companies did and a lot of the stuff that they did I found quite um distressing um so um so I was only a technology journalist by accident but it did give me a lot of material that was good um and um so I don't necessarily uh do a lot of writing about um technology today but um, you know, a lot of this stuff has informed, you know, the PhD that I'm doing and the teaching that I do because I'm a, a um, lecturer in journalism as well. Um, so I'm grateful that I got to be involved in all of this stuff. Um, but it was very terrifying. And actually, back to the thing about people not reading interesting stories um, or people not reading important stories. When I, I had one job where I was consumer facing, so it was a B2C publication, so a big tech website. And I could only write stories if they were going to get a certain amount of people reading them. And so when the government was about to introduce um, spying laws to um, make sure that they could spy on the entire population really easily using their digital technologies, I couldn't write that story unless enough people would read it. And enough people wouldn't read it, even though it was important. So, um, you know, it was really disheartening to know that um, I'd really had the opportunity to, to sort of unearth a lot of this stuff. But, you know, in the economics of journalism, you can't write it today often unless it's going to get enough eyeballs on it. Um, and people don't want to read stuff that makes them sad. They want to watch bullshit TV. Well, it's... There's a comedian called... Um, well, ex-comedian called Constant Kissing, and he wrote a book called Immigrants Love Letters to the West. But it was only it was he was he's from Russia. He's it's a famous podcast called Trigonometry, but it's very controversial. So you may some people may like it, some people don't. I'm I like it. It's because they get a lot of people from different sides of the spectrums, different political arguments, whatever you name. And he called it Immigrants Letter to the West because it has a more catchy title than just saying Immigrants Letter to the UK, because that's where he's been. But he said to a West because it sounds more attractive. And in some ways, do you have to maybe lie a bit in some articles or trick them a bit to get people to pay attention? If you say, well, I don't know, if you say this, how you, how Botox will cure <laughs> the world's need on, need, on, need on technology, that would get attention, even though that may not be true. It, it takes... Do you have to be a bit crafty now? Well, I, I, you probably do. I don't. I wouldn't really subscribe subscribe to doing it. But like you know, there, there's a fundamental tension between. So journalists, it's hard to be objective, as I said, because we all come from different experiences, and so the facts that we observe, you know, are different to everybody to a certain extent. But like one of the things that journalists are supposed to really commit to is this, is an idea of accuracy and truth and things like that. And so, um, it's it's pretty uh it's pretty hard to both be accurate and true and everything like that and to you know do what you've just described much as it's understandable from a sort of strategic perspective you know it's 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 a really tricky time to be a journalist that wants to write stories that are you know possibly objectively fundamentally important um given the sort of economics of the internet hmm. it's a bit yeah 
one of those things. It's, it's, but I, th I think it's it's a time we're in for in terms of comedians as well. Sometimes some comics have to do try and do things that they're not necessarily behind just to market themselves, or to try and get followers, and to they do things that they're not necessarily okay with, but they do it so they can. <laughs> and that's why it's hard to be. I would say to to, to so so. I think so. So journalists don't have to. So other um, doctors have to take like an oath, which, which is like essentially do no harm. And there are loads of other professions where you have to subscribe to this sort of, um, you know, it, these ethical and real sort of legal commitments. And journalists, strangely, don't have that. Uh, but the training, oh. the training does just to a certain extent, you know. And I certainly took away from it the ethics of journalism and the, you know, the moral responsibility of, you know, informing people. So. But I would have thought, given that you don't have to sign anything, lots of journalists probably don't really think like I do and are happy to, you know, go down the same, um, you know, ultimately it's about getting lots of people to see what you're doing. So if the way to do that is to, you know, market yourself in the way like you described, then then I guess people would do that. Um, and, I, you know, I can understand, you know, it's there's no point knowing all the answers if if uh, if there's nobody listening. Does the tree fall in the woods? Um so I can, yeah, I can I can understand why people in any sort of public sort of profession would feel compelled to sort of chase chase the audience. But now, it's going on to like you created something where you married two worlds together: journalism, well, three worlds together: journalism, comedy, and um, tech. A while ago like you did a show and you're still doing sort of shows that are covering those topics like how has that sort of helped you as a journalist and how, like in terms of doing comedy and all those things together and how did it help other people who were involved in that show you put on a while back yeah, so stand up for journalism. Uh, yes, so that was more about just journalist. It was just journalists doing stand up comedy. So tech, sort of less so, apart from the fact that I was a, a tech journalist. Um, the idea uh, is, well, in fact, so I I I, got, I stole the idea from something called Bright Club, which is a, a, a organization which tries to make academics funny. And so, um, if we could make academics funny, obviously we can make journalists funny. That's fine. Um. And what it did do was get some journalists, the journalists who are involved, to, to actually try to come up with something that they would say in public. Journalists are quite, um, obviously you see sort of presenters on TV, but like journalists are um, not sort of hugely public people. You know, the people that you see who are talking about a lot of stuff are maybe influencers and things like that. Journalists have never historically been particularly sort of loud and um, public people. So I think it challenged some of them to, um, you know, really think about what they would say. Uh, the tricky thing was, you know, back to what I said about the economics of the of the of the Internet, you know, what most of them identify as I identified is that it's very hard to be faithful to what journalism is supposed to do or what we believe that journalism is good it should do um, and to operate in the economy as it exists today and so some of their stories gave 
weight to that idea you know it's it, it's hard to, to 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 be a journalist today if you want to be faithful to sort of the, the facts and everything like that um and so at the end of the comedy the tricky thing was is that um i had three measures for um uh for the audience so it was how much do you believe in like the person's intention to do a good job based on what you just heard how much do you believe in their um ability to do a good job based on what you've just heard and how much do you believe do you believe in their um uh, commitment to doing uh to uh, responding to what their audience wants um and that people it, it was really good at getting across that human side so people really believed in their ability in their sort of intention you know it was really great to hear that a journalist really cared about what they were doing but their ability is hampered by the world as it is and so um you know they were they were really just exposing you know a lot of what i've just said you know it is hard to be faithful to be a journalist today because that's not how the world works the world is sort of for sale and journalism isn't a sort of necessarily a saleable good so <clears throat> is, is it like one of those sayings where often if you go into a fighting gym or certain places they say that the the loudest person is the weakest or the most stupid person and is that what you would say that's maybe happening now in certain instances in terms of like because you're saying that in journalism like people who have actually aimed to research things and see what's going on don't tend to talk or be loud about things and saying that it's influencers and well, no, actually, I, I mean, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll row back slightly because I think what the the promise of the internet is this idea of a democratic information space, you might call it, um, and um, and it, you know, enables people to connect in ways that they never would have been able to to find people who are who are who are similar to them or into the same stuff. So there's loads of virtues to it, and gives voice to a lot of people who, um, uh, who have a legitimate. Uh, you know voice to have um i think that just the tricky thing is you know if journalism is even good at this but the tricky thing is you know to some extent journalism has a process to check the facts and you know whatever um and um it's uh, difficult to distinguish therefore between what is sort of a fact that has been checked and what is sort of just made up and some people are making up information on purpose to confuse people and so you know not that journalism has necessarily all the answers or is necessarily the best vehicle for sort of solving this problem but you know we now live in a world where it's quite hard to distinguish you know fact from from not fact um, if indeed you could say that facts exist at all and um and there are bad actors purposefully you know trying to confuse people so you know it, it, it uh, uh, you know uh, but i'm sure that some uh, that many influencers have had a uh, meaningful impact on people you know like you know people who talk about uh, so illnesses and uh, disabilities and all sorts of um um you know people who've become public figures and and normalized you know experiences and behaviors that that, that would never have had voice even in mainstream journalism mainstream journalism by the way has been historically completely crap at diversity yeah. um and um, you know, it was it was as it is in many professions. What you who you know, not what you know, um, and um, you know, incredibly white, incredibly um, uh, more than middle class, um, particularly like so limited to people who graduated from Oxford and Cambridge, 
and you know those people might have been sort of well trained in sort of whatever they get trained in at Oxford and Cambridge but they did not have a diversity of experience um and um and it's the same thing with the world of tech one of the similarities that I, I was really interested in was you know <clears throat> for example um Google Maps doesn't have and historically never had any options for sort of accessibility. Um, so if you were to go around a corner and you were in a wheelchair, uh, Google Maps would have no way to tell you that. And if they had sat down at the beginning and there had been somebody who had a disability or had somebody in their family with a disability and they could have said, oh, if we build this feature in from the beginning, this will be much more meaningful because actually one in six people in the world have a disability. Um, you know, Google Maps could have been so much more, but because they are, they were, as it happens at, at Google, Stanford, Harvard, whatever, you know, from a very, very limited sort of um, demographic, they weren't solving radical problems because they didn't know these radical problems exist existed and to a certain extent journalism has experienced the same problem you know it didn't know i'm trying to think what was something that it really really didn't know it certainly is not um represented uh black and uh um, minority ethnic groups in the uk well at all um and only represents uh, those people um you know in stories about crime and doesn't has, has been very bad at sort of representing the positives of um being anything other than white okay is it... <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be a comedy podcast no i mean i'm yes but it's it's always interesting i mean you know so in that other question that i was asking i'm just trying i'm just trying to find out as i'm not i'm i'm I like chatting to people with different viewpoints, different things. I want to, I much rather feel silly about things or stupid and learn something rather than think that I know about things and not know anything. And uh, what's oh, the good. point? Do you, do you disagree with me or are you just... Um, uh, <laughs> um. What's going on? Is there a ghost? <laughs> You're moving it around. No. Um, on our last, um, what would you say? So, with you being in media, with comedy and journalism, what would you say are the great things that comedy and journalism have that are similar in terms of the people and in terms of the way they work? And not mentioning like, what we said earlier about before in terms of sometimes getting ahead because of who you know rather than what you know i mean it's it's all about public communication for me and and that's why i think that that, that sometimes comedy can be a bit bit wasted when it's when it's too frivolous um you know it's an opportunity to 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 speak to people um and sometimes that can be really meaningful um and so i guess that's sort of what attracts me to to both of them Okay. <laughs> I have a chance to meet people. Okay. Um, what do you feel? No, I think that's that's mostly it. I think. I've... <laughs> uh, what what have been what have been moments in your life that have shaped you the most, and what what have been painful moments? What what have been really painful experiences that you're able to talk about? that taught you the most 
and that you would like to share to any would-be journalist or comedian who's listening now? Oh, well, I, I, I shan't, shan't share my painful family experiences, although I'm sure they, they have shaped me. Let me just have a think about that. Um, I mean, I I really didn't think I was going to get to be a journalist. I, um, you know, I was going to the job centre with all this experience in Warrington and they were like, wow, you should be a journalist. And I was like, yes, do you have any journalism jobs, please? <laughs> Um, you know, and they were sending me to go and get a job at a coffee place and 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 a, and, a, and, a, and to be a receptionist, which which uh, you know was not what was in my plan. And so, um, you know, at that point, I didn't, you know, think that I was going to get to do and be this thing that I'd sort of trained to be, which was a very sad time. Um, and then I, you know, I did it for sort of five years, you know, full time and. And actually, interestingly, and I got a job, my dream job at my sort of um, favorite title. And, and it wasn't the job that I, it wasn't what I'd expected it to be. And it wasn't actually as what I'd imagined. And, um, you know, so I've changed course to a reasonable amount to, to, to get into academia to sort of try and commit some of what I've learned to paper. Um, so, you know, what I learned was, is, well, you, you, <laughs> um, you should, you know, do do go for it. Um, you know, in terms of trying to get these jobs, you know, the the jobs are out there. Um, you know, and if and if and if things change, then 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 do something different. I, I'm not. People sort of ask me what I when I'm going to decide what I really want to be, and I think, you know, I, I'm in a, you know, luxurious position. You know, being in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Um, you know, not experiencing sort of, um, you know, a, a lot of dreadful things which which ha which which happen to people, um, where I I do have a bit of luxury to 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 try things, um, and I think we spend a lot of time worrying, um, I certainly do about you know doing the right thing and and what's the right thing to do and things, um, and my mum just says just do your best. Just do your best. <laughs> uh, yeah, just do your best. My dad says, be good. Can't promise anything. <laughs> and what do you say after? What does he say afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he says, just keep pedaling and be good. <laughs> so you're saying is, <laughs> so just, just, just give it a best shot and see what happens. Treat it like a surfer and like a wave. Yeah, yeah. And if you've got the, you, you know, it, yeah. Sometimes I don't. Yeah, sometimes you're doing things that you that you really don't think are the, are the dream thing. And um, in fact, my dad always does tell me just to, to have paid employment. Um, you know, it's better to have a job uh, while you're looking for another one than it is to sort of uh, throw in the towel. Um, but yeah, I think we just have we just have we only have one life, and and you know it's important to to find real meaning, um and you know luckily I, I absolutely love love doing um stand up. I think being able to sort of have that opportunity to sort of um you know communicate with other people and hopefully make them laugh, I think is a, is a is a real um as I say a real real luxury um and um yeah so try to do some try to do something that matters. <laughs> if you were to be like a st full-time stand-up like comedian 
doing what you do, would you take it? Like in terms of like doing shows, making yeah, people laugh and educating people. I think the only thing is it's probably tricky to make the economics of it work. I've not looked into it in enough detail, to, to be honest, because my dad always said, sorry, just to go back to him, um, that's not a real thing. <laughs> 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 so I've not really been, I've not pursued it as much. Uh, you know, I do it, you know, whenever somebody asks me or or whenever I've got something that I, 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 I've um, uh, sort of been working on, but I don't, I don't prioritize it because, you know, in a way it, it doesn't feel as stable as, you know, what you imagine a stable job is um but you know i i lecture now and and you know edit books and things like that so i've got quite a few things that i that i can do and so it feels and and um i, I lead bike rides as well uh, and i want to be a bike mechanic and so you know i found like a, a sort of su a suite of things that like fit for me in terms of what i think matters um and you know it would be a, it would be a joy to to um well, it is a joy to do the comedy and I can sort of do it as I am uh, without too much pressure. I mean, if somebody wanted to give me a TV show or um, whatever, that would be great. Okay, here it is. You can take <laughs> <laughs> Um I'm trying to finish my PhD, so I really should... Uh, should, should uh, put, uh, I should okay. stop doing things that are just silly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what, what about horse riding? Horse riding is good as well. I mean, people... Pe people cyclists are quite gorgeous but so are people and horses ah, um i don't know i think in terms of i don't know whether that was supposed to be a joke but um horses take you have to feed the horses they're probably quite expensive you have to look after them i mean i look after my bike i do my own bike repairs but um i don't have to like give it carrots etc whatever horses eat yeah you need to have a field like i've got two bikes in my back room <laughs> Well, maybe they'll, they'll domesticate a different kind of horse where it doesn't need much space. I've, I've got a different kind of horse. It's called a bike. <laughs> <laughs> now, for anyone that's listening on right now and they're saying, my God, Kirsty, you are rather vum. <laughs> what was that? Dream of course, of course. Yeah, it, for anyone that says Kirsty, you are a dream girl. You are like Vava Vum Una Sequa Sesua. Is that the word? Uh, I mean, that's that was, wasn't the greatest French I've ever heard, but good try. <laughs> for anyone that says Yo Vava Vum, um, just what's it called? Tu es magnifique. Uh, how do they find out about you? <laughs> Oh, I mean, uh, I don't really do that much uh, on social media. Um, I, I just can't buy into it. I just can't buy into it. But um, you could just type Kirstie Styles into Google and you could probably find me. You did. Of course. <laughs> That's just look oh, at no, the Google. you typed in stand-up journalism. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, I mean, yeah, that might be the best place to find me is probably on LinkedIn, which is tragic. Uh, but you can also find me on Facebook and Twitter. Yep, she, she's got a big website as well, so you can drop her an email like I did to Thank get you. on the yes, podcast. Yes, yes. It's a terrible website. Uh, for somebody who makes websites for other people, it's uh, not very good. And, and she lives in Liverpool. She lives right in the Anfield Football Stadium. Um, thereabouts. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, yeah, no, I live in Liverpool. Uh, yeah, always up for meeting up with people if people are interested in a uh, bike ride and a laugh or something. Yeah, she'd do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's where you need to go. 
and if you like this episode guys uh you you can give this episode you can, you can subscribe give this podcast review on five star view on amazon or itunes and hopefully i'll see you in the next episode we got a comedy couple talking tomorrow talking about autism and stuff like that and then we got a we got a actor and director from the world of comedy sketches coming in so we got lots of fumbles lots of joys and i'll speak to you soon Thank <music> you.